Today's message, as Valentine's Day is coming up, is more love. More love. So what is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. This is a question asked in a song by Hathaway, released in 1993. What is love? Everybody wants to know what love is. We know we are called to love one another by this According to scripture, by this, they will know that you are my followers, by the way that you love one another. And we also read in scripture, it says, greater, man has, greater love has no man than this, than to lay his life for his account for his friends. So we see that one thing for sure we know is that love involves some form of sacrifice. Jesus, we think about how he laid down his life for us. He had a, a tough love that was willing to actually absorb punches and smacks without fighting back. Like many of the early martyrs of our faith in the Colosseum of Rome, who had a tough love. They were just going to face whatever came against them. We think of those throughout history that laid aside some selfish ambitions and they gave their lives for something bigger. And I said this uh, this past Sunday as well. Or actually, not this past Sunday, but this past youth group on Thursday night. Because there's so many things I, I added to my notes after Thursday night. We think of men like Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who was assassinated as he fought for civil rights for all races, as he stood up for the marginalized and the oppressed. We think of Jim Elliott and four other missionaries who gave their lives trying to bring the gospel to natives in Ecuador. People who have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, but yet they were willing to go in, and they gave their lives. They were speared by that group, and later on, their families, the very people that killed their, their fathers, their husbands, they, the families, the wives, and the children went in and ministered to this group, and they came to know the gospel, and they came to know Jesus Christ. We think of many Christians in the Civil War who believed that Black men and women were made in the image of God, and that slavery was a sin, and that the slaves should be free. Many fought and gave their lives for slavery to be abolished, and it was a bloody and costly civil war. See, even just war has its costs. See, when you're looking for it all throughout Scripture, Scripture talks about love and what it means to truly love. We know the scripture passes for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. John, who self-described himself as the apostle or the disciple that Jesus loved, says that God is love. Love God. There's two, two commandments that Jesus said. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. We see other, word, other places in the scripture that says love your enemies and pray for those who despitefully use you. Of course, we've been talking about this, but the Apostle Paul prays that we would have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long, how high and how deep this love is. Scripture also tells us to love your wife as Christ loved the church. I don't think we'll ever fully understand love on this side of heaven, but it doesn't mean that we give up on it. If we are called to love God, 
If we're called to love people, if we're called to love ourselves, and if we're called to love our enemies, isn't it important for us to have some idea of what love is? To understand it. I was listening to a podcast this week about the We Get Us campaign that was telling me about. And there was a question that was brought up that was a driving force behind this campaign. And I can't seem to get this question out of my mind. I keep thinking about this particular question. And the question came up. They said, how did a movement based on love become known as a hate group? And how do we change that? How did a movement that was based on love become a hate group? Become known as a hate group? And how do we change that? First Corinthians 13 is one of the most well-known passages in the Bible. Because here God gives us a description of what love looks like. What love looks like boots on the ground. What it looks like practically. And as much as we think about love, it turns out we know very little. We don't know as much as we think we know. Many of us have attended weddings where this passage is read. It's easy for us to attach this passage to these warm memories of wedding bliss. That's not the context of this chapter. See, throughout 1 Corinthians, we find ourselves in a world of controversy, a church in controversy, a church that's in conflict, a church that is in disunity. We see this happening in a local church. This is who Paul was writing to in Corinth, the Christians in Corinth, in Corinth. Love is not lived out in perfection like all the Hallmark movies. So Paul's goal for us, goal for this chapter, is to confront all the wrong ways that we think about love. All the wrong ways that we think love is. So what will it take for us to pursue a life of love, which is what we're called to do? Without love, the first point is without love we are nothing. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. It says, If I can speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and I, if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I had to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So if love is so important, why do we give so little attention? Maybe it's because it seems like this out there thing. People start using using it. Oh, we just need to love one another. It seems kind of like, well, what is it? But love is far too important for us to just assume. Because without love, Scripture says that we're ultimately nothing. The things that we do are ultimately nothing without love. To make this point, Paul compares love to all the things that one man's admired. If these don't apply to you, then maybe there's some other things that you're impressed with. But Paul goes back and he says, even if you have the gift of tongues, and you can amaze the crowds with your spiritual gifts, but you did not have love, 
then all your speaking would be meaningless. All your tongues, all the prophecy would be meaningless without love. It would only be meaningless noise without love. In fact, the term playing symbol often referred to an instrument used in pagan worship. So Paul might be saying that these miraculous gifts without love is indistinguishable from pagan worship. No difference. So no matter how passionate, how deeply emotional your religious experience, without love, you cannot please God. Without faith, you cannot please God. You know that verse as well. But Paul pushes it even more. He goes a little bit further. He said, imagine someone who's a gifted preacher, who has perfect theology, if there is such a thing, who understands all the deepest mysteries of God, and can understand and teach God's words to thousands of people, but does not have love. Yes, that person. Or imagine someone who by faith is able to perform great miracles, like the moving of mountains. They can heal the sick. They can move mountains. They can change the course of history. But they do not have love. Scripture teaches us here in 1 Corinthians 13, not after John's words. It all comes from love. See, God evaluates No matter how accurate our theology or effective our ministry, without love, God is not pleased. And he goes even further. Talking about great sacrifices. See, Paul pushes beyond just spiritual gifts. He pushes beyond that to realms of sacrifice. Now, surely sacrifice is a way that we impress God, right? Sacrifice is a way that we can somehow gain his, his gaze, that he can look at us see all that we're sacrificing for them. Imagine someone who gives all that they have, and they leave their family and their husband and children behind, and they spend the rest of their lives serving the sick and the poor in some dark corner of the world. Imagine that they do that. Or imagine someone who resists persecution, who stands up for what they believe, even to the point of being burned at the stake, giving their life as a martyr for the gospel. Surely those actions count for something. Surely those must mean something. Yes, they do. If there's love. Because without love, they can do See, no matter how sacrificial you are, even to the point of giving your life, without love, you can't do it. This reveals that we are way too easily impressed by external we admire great feats of passion. We admire great feats of sacrifice. We admire great feats of service. We think that people who do great things are the people who really do matter to God. And we dream about doing many great things in our own lives. But what we see here is that just because you do great things does not necessarily mean that there is love. Actions do not necessarily equal love. Without love, God is This is true that we should never assume that we have love all 
many of us are intentional about figuring out how to be more efficient. We're intentional about figuring out how to be more educated. We're intentional about being more religious, more theological, more gifted. But do we have that same intentionality about others? Have you ever met with a brother or sister to study your life and consider whether you were loving others or to strategize how you can grow in your This means is that you cannot be so great and so accomplished that you feel that you have arrived at making a castle of love. Even if you're a hero of the faith, this passage says, even if you're a hero of the faith, a world-class preacher, you will always be humbled by the challenge that love presents to our hearts. The reverse is also true. You can never be so small and insignificant that you cannot do great things for God. Mother Teresa put it this way. That not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things in great love. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things in great love. You see, in this economy, in God's economy, the small things done with great love outrank the big things done without love. Talk about turning things upside down. See, if your life is characterized by this love, then you will become a light in this dark world. Let this be an encouragement to you. These warnings are true, that reversal of these promises are also true. Even if you never sing with tongues of angels, or speak with great eloquence, but your words flow from love, then your voice will be sweet music. Even if you've never preached on a Sunday morning, you've never received a seminary degree, maybe you've not taken Greek or Latin or Hebrew. Maybe you've never performed a great miracle. But your relationships are characterized by love, then you will have accomplished the great things of God. Amen. Even if you've never sold all that you have and moved to a third world country or suffered dramatically. But week in and week out, you have faithfully loved brothers and sisters in the local church. Then an eternal heavenly reward awaits you. See, love is ultimately what matters. Love is not optional in our lives by chance. Love is a defining issue in our lives. What this tells us is that the problem we face in life is not that we don't do enough good things for God, but that we are not brilliant enough broken enough. That's too often what we think. But what did Jesus say? What's his favorite thing? To love the Lord your God. With all of your heart, and with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets, all the law and prophets, It's not telling us to give away all of our money to charity in order to be accepted by God. 
Instead, it's asking us something far more radical and far more simple. Is our life, is our lives, is our life, Rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. See, this description of love is what Christians who are struggling with pride and deceit need to hear. This is what the Corinthian church needed to hear, and this is what we need to hear today. It's a useful heart check for every single one of us. You want a way to evaluate love? Maybe try walking through each one of these characteristics one by one. Evaluate yourself. Or maybe you want to ask someone else. Or maybe you don't want to ask someone <laughs> The first one, love is patience. And we talk about patience. How are you doing with waiting for things? That's a hard one. How are you doing with waiting for others? How are you doing behind the wheel of a car? Get a little impatient. How are we doing with kindness? Proactively showing kindness to people. Love is kind. Love cheerfully and freely seeks to do good for other people. This is different from you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. This is going out of your way to do something intentionally good to another. Maybe something physical. Maybe you help them out physically. Or maybe it's a spiritual thing. Maybe they need some encouragement. Maybe they need a word from God. Maybe they need a word from the word of God. Are we kind to others, even those that we don't deserve? Jealousy and envy. How are we dealing with jealousy? Jealousy and envy is the ability or the inability to rejoice with those who rejoice. So we're glad when, uh, so are we glad when people receive good things in this life, even things that we don't? Do we pray for others to be blessed in ways that we haven't been blessed? Another one, boasting and pride. Do we look down on others who don't have the Maybe not overtly, but do we carry a sense of 
so many of our good actions can be forged. Like the teenager may try to do all the right things at home so that they can go out and do it. And he goes to walk and do something. Husband gives his wife a nice present so he can go walking with his dogs. Can we trace self-seeking motives, self-seeking motives to our actions? Can we look back and say, why did that happen? Next one, slow to anger, but not irritable. The Bible is clear that there is a place for righteous anger. I read something somewhere about that. I don't really think that's a biblical one. Wow. <laughs> that out there. So there is righteous anger, but perhaps we give ourselves just a little bit too much leeway on that one, right? How often are we angry when actually no one has done anything wrong with us? How often are we angry when just a small offense has occurred? How often are we more angry because we are personally hurt, more so than somebody sinned against God? Another part of love, no record of wrongs. How are we Forgiveness is not excusing something. It's not pretending that everything is okay. Forgiveness is recognizing that a real offense against us has occurred. But rather than using it against the other person, we choose to forgive so that the other person will not have to suffer. Love forgives. Next one is love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Does our love for others involve Does it involve speaking truth even when it's hard to hear? Flattery is not love. Flattery cares more about ourselves than about the other person. Or is it love for us to gossip and take delight in the failures of other people? Love refuses to delight in evil, but rejoices and speaks the truth. Paul is not giving a simple list of actions. 
Because yes, love involves actions and results in deeds, but love is more than mere actions and deeds because love begins right here in the heart. This morning as we close, let's allow that reality to shape our hearts this morning. Let's begin to understand what love is so that we can So that we can love one another. We can love those people seated behind us. There's a there's a challenge. There's a challenge. But God doesn't just leave us where we are. We just sang that song this morning. He doesn't leave me where I found you. He's not gonna leave you where you found you. He's calling us to a Jesus, I pray you would help us to truly love you. And our love for you, love others. Help us to live out First Corinthians 15 in our lives. This is a challenge. a lot of areas and some of them are really
who is able, during his mighty power at work within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we may ask or think. Glory to him and the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful Sunday.